Welcome to the PWE and Me podcast, a place where we talk about the workplace, how it's changing, and ways that we can create an experience at work that is inspiring, real, and motivates us to bring our best self to work. PWE, what is it? Well, it's an acronym for Purposeful Workplace Experience. I'm on a mission to help our workplaces shift from being transactional to transformational, and PWE is how we will get there. My name is Carolyn Suara, your host and creator of PWE. Welcome to another episode of PWE and Me. We have with us today someone who has been such an instrumental influence on me and my thinking. With us today is Jane Watson. Jane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. On this snowy, blustery day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if any of you are listening to us in a sunny place, please feel sorry for us. (laughs) Uh, So Jane has... A multitude of experience behind her, and I thought it would be just amazing to have her on onto the show here, um, specifically to help us ch- uh, to help us look at traditional ways um, that we might have been looking at organizations, and specifically when it comes to systems. So, Jane, not only is she um, the senior people partner at Click, she is also founder of the Aperta Project. And she is a master's candidate in human sisters, sisters, human systems intervention at um, what school is it again, Jane, in in Montreal? Concordia. Concordia University. So, uh, Jane, so glad you can join us. And I'm really, really looking forward to this uh, conversation about systems in our organizations and perhaps elevating our awareness about them. So welcome. Thank you for the very kind introduction. Yeah. So, so Jane, you know, we were on a panel uh, a few months ago uh, where we were talking about, and it was, it was a pretty short panel discussion uh, about um, systems and how systems might be getting into, in the way of how we can show up at work. So where, where do you want to pick up that conversation? Where is it useful to start this conversation around organizational systems and how they impact how we work? Where do you want to start? Hmm. Well, maybe if we take a step back and really talk about maybe what we're what we're even meaning by by systems and seeing organizations as systems, I feel like that that might be helpful. I know that was a really uh, pivotal kind of starting point for the journey that I'm on now, having returned to school and some of the work that I've been doing with Aperta. Yeah, that's a good point because I mean I know what I think in my head about what a system is. Um, it's all these things that make an organization be proficient and efficient and productive. So, how would you define it? Well, I think um, when you when you think about looking at an organization as a system, um, it acknowledges that it is uh, a complex collection of parts uh, within a whole that are then placed within a larger system, right? So if you're um, in, a, in the healthcare industry, then you know, you know that the organization that you're in also has lots of connections and interfaces with the healthcare industry and the various stakeholders outside of your immediate organization. So for me, it's 
um, it depends on your vantage point, actually, a little bit about how you define the boundaries of the system that you're in and, and the smaller systems that also exist within it, like your team, for example. And so, well, why is it important as a leader then to, well, well is it, like, why is it important to even understand the system then? Like, to your point, there's different ways to look at it, but why does it even matter? Where well, there might be p- people listening now saying, like, who cares what kind of system I'm in? I go to work, I do my job, like... <laughs> What does it, why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I, systems thinking is totally not a new concept, but I do think that um, it's not the way that we've been like socialized to see organizations. And so um, I think that it offers a different vantage point. So that's why it's important. One way that systems view of organization is different than what I would say is typical for how we see organizations is systems really looks at the interactions between the different parts within the organization. And so um, it's not a one-way interaction, cause and effect. It thinks about the different uh, dynamics that exist between all of those parts. And so it, it can help us understand why really uh, what seem like really simple, straightforward approaches to solving uh, challenges in organizations don't work. Um, and that's because a lot of times they're focused on a very linear way of approaching a problem that thinks about that causality happening in one direction and doesn't account for the complexity that is like, frankly, a reality of the way that we work. So systems view of organizations can help us understand why those simple approaches are failing us and what might work better. So now what's coming to mind for me, um, having worked in a big corporation for many years, a system was performance management. So is that when you talked about those examples there, is that an example of a system? It's a really uh, good question because I think that the word system means a lot of different things. So we can definitely talk about performance management system, but perhaps in the conversation that we're having, it would be better described as, as a process. Um, okay. And so it's uh, something that we're, we're using, right, that we're implementing with the hopes of an outcome. Um, and so uh, when we think about a, an organization as a system, um, you know, it, performance management is one mechanism by which we're trying to influence that system. Mm, So it's kind of like if we look at the organization as an ecosystem and performance management is one way to keep that efficient, productive ecosystem moving. Is that a better way to describe it then? Sure. Yeah. If that's that's our aim with performance management. I mean, as you were saying that, I was like, "Mm, yeah, that sounds really nice. And I feel like that hardly ever happens. (laughs) Well, and it's this idea, though, of moving, and I think it's probably a challenge we see in many of our organizations, is how do we how do we move out of this old mindset about just looking at productivity measures mm. and looking more at the holistic um, the holistic viewpoint of the fact that these are people, we're not robots. So there, I feel like there's a bit of a shift right out of out of that productivity mindset and into more of an ecosystem. But maybe I'm confusing I'm confusing. Um, this a little bit unnecessarily. No, I don't think you are. I think that what you what you're saying is absolutely correct. Right? Is that um, traditionally performance management has grown out of this kind of mechanistic tradition of how we view organizations and people, right? And so we've focused heavily on um, on using carrots 
uh, on using rewards and incentives. And, um, and, and that's not the only thing that matters to people, of course. As individuals, we know that. But for some reason, when we create these processes, um, we can forget that and focus on these very, again, cause and effect. Like, if I reward people for this, then my company will succeed. But all of us have been in organizations where um, uh, incentives are, are simple and the environments that we're operating in are complex. And so there's these sort of um, unintended consequences of certain incentives, right? So uh, I'm sure that you've seen this, Carolyn, because I know that in your past life, you led teams that had sales targets. And sales targets are like the most obvious, like very, very black and white example of a target that we think will incentivize certain behavior. And it does, but unless it's uh, managed carefully and we're attending to some of the the other behaviors that we want to see, then people will, you know, step over others often in ways that are really damaging to reach those targets, or they will focus on short-term wins over long-term client relationships. So that's an example uh, to your point where we're, we're focusing on these simplistic processes versus thinking about it as an ecosystem more long-term. And so the performance management process then, what other systems does do they impact? So I'm going to guess there's a bunch of processes that make up a system. Yeah. So what other, um, and, and I'm trying to make it practical for people because I know sure. you and I love to get academic, um, but let's, let's keep it practical. So what, what systems, like why, why do I need to know if I'm a manager, why do I even need to know about this process um, and the impact it has on a larger system? Well, I think if you're uh, looking to achieve any kind of goal, Right. So whether that's growing market share or hitting certain team targets, that we need to be um, thoughtful about the types of whether it's incentives or other types of behaviors, other types of processes that we engage in, whether that's, um, you know, the the type of uh, conversations that we're having, the coaching that we're doing with our teams, meetings, um, forecasting, planning like all of these different approaches that we're utilizing to try to reach that goal, um, a systems you can help us, I think, understand that uh, those things aren't in isolation. They're going to mm-hmm. influence one another um, and they're going to uh, be influenced by other uh, aspects of the system, right? So um, none of us operates as an island in an organization. There's so many different interactions that we have with other roles, with other teams, Um, you know, again, I go back to a really obvious example that I'm sure you'll be familiar with when you've got an organization where sales is a really critical part of their success. Um, and then you've got, you know, a delivery team. Um, there's almost always right. A tension between those two, because the delivery team's like, Oh, you oversold people. You overpromised. And the sales team's like, Hey, I'm doing my job here. Um, and so, Again, if we're not thinking about that as managers, we're very likely just to be stuck in that tension and, and, and not have a way to think uh, more broadly about the way that the organization can succeed as a whole, but also the parts within it. And so this idea of human systems intervention, so I, I guess describe to us what what you're learning and how that applies because I mean I know you have a ton of experience uh, in in the real world or in the working world so what what inspired you to go into that program and how do you think it's going to help you when you come back into um, into some sort of leadership role in an organization 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I had done reading in the past about, about systems and about thinking, uh, about organizations as systems, but it was a few years ago when I got started, uh, on a project, which is now the Aperto project that was really focused on digging into sexual harassment and why it seemed to be just this really insolvable problem in organizations, um, and this is a great example, and so it, it became that much more relevant to me as I dug into it to realize this is a, a tremendously complex problem, right? There's societal causes, there's cultural reasons within an organization, there's so many different factors that contribute to whether sexual harassment will occur um, and whether it will be appropriately and effectively addressed by an organization. Um, and mm-hmm. we don't have a great track record of this. The numbers are, are really depressing. Um, uh, harassment is, is really a persistent issue and, uh, most of it doesn't get reported. So right. as I was digging- It's complex too, to your point, like it's a very complex thing. I think that's an important piece to understand it, as well. It is. And, and I'll say that, you know, a big piece of that complexity is not just understanding how we address harassment that we are aware of. Um, which again is not a lot because a a bulk of it is not reported, um, but also thinking preventatively, right? And so Mm -hmm. as I was digging into this, I was realizing that all of the approaches, certainly that I had learned in my career in HR, and I think that uh, most organizations are familiar with, are really reactionary and they really are this sort of cause and effect linear thinking. Right. So uh, by that, I mean, what, what do we do, right, about harassment? Well, we have policies. Uh, we do training about how people shouldn't sexually harass others. And if we hear about harassment, then, you know, we investigate, and ideally that fixes the issue. Um, but that's not what is actually happening. It's not fixing the issue. The issue continues. Right. So those approaches are, are, really, um, are really not fit for a complex problem. They're simplistic. And so that's where I got really interested again in thinking about uh, organizations as systems and thinking about harassment as one example of a complex problem through a systems lens. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of coincided with like a, a minor midlife crisis. And, uh, and so I started thinking about, I, I really want to dig in, like, I really want to spend some solid time um, investigating this, uh, you know, from a theoretical standpoint and a practical standpoint. And so that was where I started looking for a program. And uh, the program at Concordia was, in my view, the only program that I found that, that took an explicit systems lens towards thinking about change and learning in organizations. Um, and so that's how I found myself there. And so what other types of, of complex challenges have come up in your, in your work, in your, in your, in your job, in your real life, and also in your academic life? Like what other, what other complex issues can we be solving or starting to look at from a different lens in organizations? Well, so many, I think you can look at almost, almost every level, right? So if we want to think about really big systemic challenges that exist, um, and that show up in our organizations, it is things like, uh, racism and inequality, um, and then if you want to zoom sort of way down, and I, I still think this is a, a really complex problem, is like decision-making in organizations. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, because it's, it, it involves so many different elements, right? And it's not just a process. There's, there's issues of 
um, you know, the mental models that we bring into how decisions should be made, which are influenced by so many things about how we've been socialized and, and, and our own culture. Um, and then there's, there's issues of power, which are rarely discussed kind of explicitly. I think we don't often have the language to do that in organizations, but right. um, decision-making really brings a lot of that to the surface. So it is, it is a super complex uh, issue. And, and that, um, and so those power dynamics, um, just by virtue of being in a hierarchical structure, which, you know, I I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to guess it's well over 50% of organizations still operate in some sort of hierarchy, be it, maybe there's a bunch of teams that are making or or that are self-managed and maybe making decisions, but ultimately there is still somebody or, um, yeah, well, somebody or uh, an executive team who's still, has the quote unquote power, right? Like that's, that's a a pretty big reality. And so let's dig into that dynamic between power and decision-making. Cause I think everyone can relate with, all right, decisions, like that's something we have to do every day. And sometimes it can feel painful to make a decision. And other times we make it so fast that we think we might've made the wrong decision. So let's, let's unpack decision-making a bit more. Yeah, I think it's a really rich area to kind of notice some of the the the, the complex features of, of I think any organization, right? So if you think about about power in organizations, we have uh, most organizations have an org chart, and it has you know people's official titles, and we tend to think that uh, you know power resides with those those titles as positional power. But there's all different kinds of power in organizations and, and in life generally, right? So if you think about uh, formal power, so that would be uh, one example would be positional power, the, f- the power that people are aware that you have, the authority to make decisions that could involve your budget um, or just you know some kind of approval process. But there's also informal power. And no one gives us a map for this. And it's this kind of intangible thing that we all, I think as humans intuitively get, but, right. uh, but it doesn't get talked about a lot in organizations. And so what would be an example of informal power? So I think about an organization I worked at several years ago where, um, there were a few people in the company who had been there a really long time and they had accrued a lot of social capital, meaning they, they were, um, they were respected in the organization. They had a lot of like institutional knowledge that other people didn't. And if you were trying to get something done, it was really smart if you went to one of those people and mm. got them to sort of give you the lay of the land because they they kind of knew, um, yeah, so and so is going to probably support this. Oh, so and so they're, they're going to really react badly because somebody tried this years ago, and so they could not only sort of um, give you a bit of a, a sense of the landscape. But if one of those people with uh, the respect that they had and all of this institutional knowledge, if they endorsed your project, endorsed your initiative, you you just had a much better chance of actually succeeding. And so it's that kind right. of like meeting before the meeting, meeting after the meeting. Like, yep. you know, a lot of people I think will have worked in organizations like that and that's how you get things done. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's tiring, but it's a real thing. And so even though it won't show up on any org chart, it won't show up on any kind of map of your organization. It is, uh, it is real. So, are, so as a leader then, um, are you saying that we need to be aware of the formal and informal power structures that exist so that we can leverage them appropriately to get decisions made? 
Well, that's one way of looking at it. And definitely, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's one way to navigate the system. And I think if your role is to try to change the way your organization makes decisions, then you'll definitely need to, in, to take into account these informal power dynamics because you can change everything on the org chart and you can write down a process and you can, but, but if you're not addressing where the informal power sits, then you're not actually changing. You're not going to succeed right. in changing um, the way that decisions are made. Does that make sense? So it does. And, and what comes to mind, I mean, I, I gave that example because I lived that for mm-hmm. many years. Um, and some people might call that being political and like, I don't want to play politics. I don't have time for that. And, and in some ways, it feels very contrived. It feels very um, inauthentic. Yeah. I mean, I, I sympathize with those people. And I'm, I guess, um, I think that as an individual, you have some choices in a situation like that. You can uh, leverage the informal power structure that exists. You can try to change it if you're in a position yourself where you have the power to do that. Um, or you can choose not to play politics and, you know, see where the chips fall. And I think that those are all reasonable options. And I think people should feel that they uh, act in accordance with their values and, and, you know, what makes sense for them. But labeling it as political, and like, I get it, I really do. I have lots of uh, people in my, you know, my friendship group and my network who are, who are really, they do take that stance, but that doesn't make it go away. (laughs) No, it doesn't. So then how do you change it? Well, I think that's a huge question. And I, I, I think uh, very deliberately and slowly, right? And so when we think about changing anything, um, and I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when we think about changing anything, <laughs> we've got to attend to like who is going to perceive this as a, as a, as a loss, right? And if you're changing the way for example, an organization makes decision or the decisions or the way budget is allocated or, um, you know, really, if you're doing any kind of restructure or reorganization where people are being formally, formally elevated within the organization, perhaps they're leading uh, up a new team or, or, or what have you, um, the questions we should always be asking ourselves is who is going to experience this as um, a loss of some kind? And, you know, this mm-hmm. is... Um, the question that people often ask with change management is like, what's in it for me? But I I think we also have to think about the opposite, right? Which is who is going to experience this as being, uh, you know, um, some kind of detraction from um, the power that they have formally or informally at the moment. But again, it's, these are tricky things to even see in organizations fully, right? We all have our own vantage point. Um, and they're, they're really difficult things to change. If people have informal power because they know how to navigate the organization, they have all this institutional history and knowledge. Do you want to change that? I don't know. I think it would really depend on how mm. that power is being used. Um, and it's probably a lot easier to try to align it with the formal power structure uh, than it is to try to det- take away someone's informal power. So... You know, I guess changing a, a system takes um, a lot of, eff- well, I guess maybe I'm assuming, I'm assuming it takes a lot of effort and a lot of people to change a full system versus I'm like manager Carolyn or leader Carolyn. What can I do um, to create a system or to create processes that are more 
humane and more uh, focused on people versus output. What what kind of advice would you give me from a, a systems perspective? Or like, do, do you know I what I'm saying? So. Do you know what I'm asking? I mean, I I think you know I'm 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 conscious of the fact that uh, I'm I'm unlearning a lot of things that I thought I knew in the course of my studies, mm. and that. Um, I'm learning a lot. And so I, I don't think there's one right answer. And I'm going to you know, keep saying that on a lot of this stuff, because I think the idea that uh, systems are complex means that we don't always know the way through a change. We, don't, we can't sort of plan it from day one and then just follow that plan and expect it to work. It's sometimes about um, taking small steps and noticing the impact that has and then, you know, moving from there and reaction, reacting. So it's taking a bit more. Mm, so kind of like a sense, a sense and respond versus a predict and exactly. control. So, so I, and that's a big change in and of itself right there. Change. It's a huge, huge change. Can you imagine going to a meeting in an organization and someone saying, so what's your project plan for this, this change? And you're like, well, I'm going to start with this and see how it goes. Like no one's going to buy that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's why, I, I mean, it depends who you work with, because mm. if you're working with some self-managed um, organizations, that might be a little bit more realistic or showing up at a meeting and saying, okay, let's craft this agenda together. I know that's a very small example, but um, there's definitely a need to predict and control out- outcomes and outputs right. in, in many organizations. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And yeah. I think, you know, we can't underestimate how deeply ingrained that is. Like I, I feel it in myself, right? It, it, it's how I've worked for 20 years. So it's, uh, it's a challenge to sort of unlearn that. But I, I think to go back to your question, um, you know, an important part about thinking of organizations as systems is recognizing that there's, um, there's systems within systems. And so, you know, we don't have to always think about the whole organization. Um, and because, there's different cause and effect relationships that the parts within the system are influencing one another. Sometimes like a really small thing can make a huge difference. And so, so what would be an example of that? I like the example you just gave. What if you started every meeting with like co-creating an agenda? That's a really interesting signal, right? And so that might spawn other people to do the same thing. It might spawn different conversations than the kinds you've been having. You might hear things that previously you weren't hearing because you were coming in with an agenda that made sense to you as the leader. Um, so I, I, th- I think that sometimes like small things can have a big impact. Um, it's just not always easy to predict what small things are going to have. Uh, more of an impact than others. So that's where, you know, to your point, sense and respond, some of these, these tests, these trials, getting used to trying things out and seeing what happens and adjusting from there. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like what's coming to mind too, for me is, um, try, try new things, um, and see what the impact is. And so a small, a small thing, as you said, might have a big impact on a system. Um, so, we kind of maybe have to get out of our head of, oh, it takes a lot of effort to change this big system I'm stuck in. Uh, and we can be more yeah. empowered, which is like the, just the epitome of PWE, Purposeful Workplace Experience, is, is helping people realize every little thing that you do to make the workplace a humane um, 
compassionate, uh, developmental, energetic place um, really can be achieved. You can change a system through these small, through a series of small things. Yes. And I think to your point, the last thing that I think anyone should take from um, this way of thinking is that, oh my gosh, it's too complex. I can't do anything. Um, The fact is the world is complex. And when we reduce it to being really simple, uh, we miss things. And so it is one thing to acknowledge that, you know, our organizations are complex places, but it is another thing entirely to think, okay, I don't have to figure out a giant plan to fix this whole thing or to change it in the way I think it should be changed. I can start small and see what happens and go from there. And so to me, that's, that is very empowering. And, and do you have some examples of, of uh, that, that you've lived through um, where small changes have added up to a big system change? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things I I think about a lot is um, some of the experiences that I've had with individual managers who've had uh, like who have managed me, who have had a really uh, trusting approach, and by that I mean they haven't taken that that typical uh, kind of control approach to things. Um, I remember, you know, working in an organization where uh, I was really used to accounting for sort of every minute of my time. And, you know, I, mm. my, my boss must have been so annoyed with me my first few months there because, like, every time I was, you know, going to be two minutes late or, you know, if I had to step out for something, I'd be sending my boss emails about it. And finally they were just like, I trust you to get your work done and I, I don't need to know what you're right. doing all the time. And that's a really, on the surface like a very small act. Um, there's no fanfare around it. It's not a program. It's there's no like, you know, launch event. Uh, but wow, did that change my experience of my job and actually my experience of my, my whole view of, of, of working and being a professional and the way that I could take accountability, um, for my time and, and set boundaries around my time and, and sort of steer my own, deliverables rather than viewing my job as being to report to somebody on my progress, you know, on a, on a regular basis. And then I'm guessing that impacted how you interacted with others and how mm-hmm. you then managed other people. And so I could see the, the, the impact and how it just spread. Yeah. I think it really, I mean, I think a huge impact was the way that I showed up to my internal clients, you know, instead of you know, transferring that view of, of them almost being like a second uh, boss, a second manager, where it was like, okay, you know, here's my, my status update. It was, it was much more of a, how can I add value to this relationship? How can I talk about the kind of uh, ideas that I have and the kind of ideas that they have and what kind of work can we do together? Um, so it had a huge, huge ripple effect um, that carried with me beyond that, that job, frankly. So, you know, that's an example of something that I would, I would love to know if that person was being deliberate about trying to produce that result. I imagine not, uh, but, but it really did. It had a huge impact. And it's not complex. It's, it wasn't a complex intervention, was it? No, not at all. So, you know, when I'm thinking of, of these big change initiatives um, that I've been a part of 
on both sides of the fence. Do, do you have to have complex change initiatives to have a positive intervention, like a positive human system intervention? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect. There's, there's a paradox here between complexity and simplicity. Yeah, I think there is. And I, I think I'm still making sense of that. But um, your question is, you know, does it have to be complex? Like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think it's, it's far less about um, an approach than it is sort of an, an orientation to our work and to organizations. And so I think if you accept as true that uh, organizations are complex and we're, we're walking into really what is a unique situation virtually every time, even if, even if we're in our own organization, like things are constantly changing um, so if we accept that as true, then I think what it, it, uh, the corollary is that we have to be humble and we have to approach those kind of changes with a curiosity and a humility, um, where we're paying attention to what impact we're having, uh, as we, you know, start out and, and, tr and try some things out and we're asking ourselves what that means and how that can inform our next steps. And to me, like that's really it, it. I mean, it sounds simple. Uh, it doesn't mean it's easy to do, but um, I think that's actually kind of the major takeaway for me with all of this stuff. Wow! And it's so like curiosity, humility, humility. It's just it's about being real. Like I didn't hear anything about efficiency or productivity or hitting KPIs, all things that are important. But it's an and, right? It's not an or. Yeah, I mean, look, organizations don't exist for us to self-actualize. Um, they, they exist generally to achieve some kind of purpose, and for many of them, that's to make money. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not saying that KPIs and results and productivity and efficiency are not important. Often they are important. Um, but I think that our stance as people who are trying to um, help organizations move towards those things, ideally in a way that you know people in, in the organization can experience um, a sense of belonging, and you know they can do work that aligns with their values, etc. Uh, then that approach of sort of being humble and curious um, can only serve us well. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I can see the paradox, the simplicity and the complexity. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, Thanks, Jane. I mean, I, I'm my head still my head still going about uh, about all this. Um, any last words or ideas? Or I mean, I think you summed it up quite nicely there. For anyone listening, what's something that they can go do today or tomorrow that really will help them start embracing this mindset? I'm searching for something profound and I don't have anything, so I'm going to instead be <laughs> really flippant and say. <laughs> Stop reading those effing articles that are like, here's five things you can do to achieve X because yes. like it is such clickbait and I think most of us know it and still I get sucked in sometimes and, and it's not helpful. It's not the way the world works. And if you could take that time and instead really, um, you know, inhabit the space you're in in your organization and look around and think about what you're curious about and what you want to find out more about. I just think that's such a better use of our time. Oh, that's great. You know what? Now I can just go delete like half of my inbox. Thank you for giving me permission to do that, Jane. <laughs>
Anytime. Uh, well, um, I can't believe how fast time went by here. Um, if any of our listeners would like to connect with you, where can they find you, Jane? Uh, probably easiest on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on there and my handle is Jane Watson HR. Um, I don't tweet a lot about HR anymore. I, I do tweet a lot about, uh, you know, silly animal memes and what paper I'm writing at school, but, uh, that's and life. There, it's hilarious. <laughs> if anyone's looking to follow and, uh, a funny tweeter, uh, it's you, Jane. It's you make me <laughs> laugh every, every time I read your tweets. Thanks. So great. So yeah, so people can reach out to you there. And um, I know you had mentioned the Aperta project. Um, so I just want to give a bit of space for that. Um, if anybody, like if anybody's curious to learn more about that, where can they find out more? Yeah, we, there is a website, um, theaperitaproject.com. And uh, very, very quickly, it really is um, a labor of love, and I am trying to start different conversations, more nuanced conversations about uh, harassment in organizations and how we can better address it. Right. Well, an important topic, um, everything you've talked about today with us um, will help uh, us all play a new and evolving and different role in our organization so that we can make work better. We can make work a place where we can thrive um, and enjoy what we do and grow and develop from it. So thank you again for uh, taking the time to come on to the podcast today. Really, really appreciate it. And um I'm sure that we will bump into each other live soon at some point in a few weeks, maybe even. Yes. And it's always great talking to you. So thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks uh, to all the listeners out there for tuning into another episode of PWE and me. Uh, Go ahead and share it with a friend. Uh, We'd love to um, also hear your thoughts. So please uh, get on Twitter, get on LinkedIn, uh, get on Instagram. Let us know what you think. And until next time, have a great day. more about PWE? Well, I'd welcome you to buy my book, Rules of Engagement, Building a Workplace Culture to Thrive in an Uncertain World. I share stories, personal and professional, about different elements of PWE. And it's available on Amazon or on Indigo. Thanks to all of you out there. This is why we do this. This is why we have this conversation. We look forward to being with you again on our next PWE and Me podcast. Now, the best way you can hear us is to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. And if you don't like either one of those two, you can always go to my website at carolynsuora.com.